We're going to press right into the teaching of the Word this morning. We are in a teaching series called Shine, and it's based off of Isaiah 60, the first three verses, where God says, Arise and shine. God challenges us to let the glory of God, let the light of God shine through our lives. And if we would do that in a dark time, if we would do that in a difficult season, it says that kingdoms would be drawn to our lights. Think of all the different ethnicities, all of the different people groups, all of the different nations that will be drawn to us if we will rise up in this time and let the light of God shine through us. And so our challenge as we're under this shelter in place order is to make room for revival in our lives, to make room for a great work of God where he is going to draw the kingdoms to us. He's going to bring men and women to us who are looking for something, who are desperate for something, and we're going to share the gospel with them. We're going to give them a message of repentance and turning to Jesus, and there's going to be a great move of God. I believe it. But I believe it's critical in this time that we don't waste this season, that we didn't prepare ourselves for that revival. And so last week we looked at repentance, that revivals begin with repentance. That yes, we love the idea of revival. We love the idea of, a, of, a, of an intense season of the presence of God and going into worship passionately and seeing a renewed focus on miracles and healings and, and seeing people joining the church and the church growing. We love all of that. What a wonderful picture. But are we willing to do what it takes? Are we willing to make the changes necessary to bring it about? And that begins with us in the presence of God, under the conviction of the holiness of God, that we would repent from anything that is standing between us and God, that we would turn away from those things, that we would get ourselves right with God, that we might see something powerful happen. Today, we're going to get into part three, and part three is called A Revival in the Secret Place. A Revival in the Secret Place. And here's today's big picture point is this. We won't see a large revival publicly until we experience a personal revival privately. Again, we won't see a large revival publicly. Everything I just talked about with people coming to know the Lord and the church growing and increased passion and intensity in our worship and all of those things, we're not going to see those until each of us as the followers of Christ, each of us as the people of Kauai Bible Church experience a personal revival in a very private way. And so in today's message and our teaching as we bring the word, I want to motivate a hunger within you, a hunger for personal prayer, a hunger for quiet time in the secret place, a hunger for God so that as God revives us in our secret place, that we'll see revival also break out in a very public way. The 19th century evangelist J. Wilbur Chapman, he said this, he said, revivals are born in prayer. When Wesley prayed, England was revived. When Knox prayed, Scotland was refreshed. When the Sunday school teachers of Tannybrook prayed, 11,000 young people were added to the church in one year. Whole nights of prayer have always been succeeded by whole days of soul winning. Come on, whole nights of prayer have always been succeeded by whole days of soul winning. And so I want us to talk about today a prayer in the secret place, 
quiet time in the secret place with God and how that might bring about revival in us and how that might bring about revival in a very public way. So if you've got your notes and you can find your notes uh, attached to this video or to this audio if you're listening to it, you can find the notes in our church app or you can also find the notes uh, for those on our email list. We emailed the notes to you. And you can see what I want to do right now is I want to talk about quickly three points on prayer in the secret place. And then I really want to camp out on answering the question, what happens when we fellowship with the Holy Spirit in the secret place? What does it do in us? And ultimately, I want to see that hunger developed in us. But let's talk about prayer in the secret place. Elder Barry actually said this to me this week. He said, the secret of prayer is praying in secret. The secret of prayer is praying in secret. And so I want to encourage you. You might be thinking, well, where is the secret place? The secret place is wherever you can get alone with God wherever you can spend some quiet time in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And so that secret place might be uh, your bedroom. That secret place might actually be a closet that you can close yourself in the closet. That secret place might be wherever you can hide that your kids can't find you. All right, if you're locked in the bathroom, getting alone with Jesus, then that's your secret place. So let's talk about prayer in the secret place. The first point is this. Jesus modeled it, right? Jesus set the standard for us. In Luke 5, 16, it says, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Other translations say would frequently slip away to the wilderness and pray. Jesus did it quite often. It was a regular part of his routine was to get away by himself, to get quiet and be with the father and to pray. He would leave large crowds. There'd be revival breaking out and crowds gathering around him. And he would still get away early in the morning before the sun would rise. He would get away to be alone. In Mark 6, after the disciples came back from a powerful season of ministry, it says that Jesus took them away into seclusion so that they could rest and recharge in a secluded time with Jesus. You know, the New Testament Gospels only share three things that were considered to be Jesus' customs. Those would be his habits, the things that he did regularly. You'll read it in the Gospels where it says, as was his custom. Only three things. What were those three things? Praying privately, going to church, and teaching people the Word of God. And so, as followers of Jesus, if we want to be like him, That's probably a pretty good place to start. Following his model of praying privately, going to church, and teaching people the word of God. Jesus modeled it for us. He wanted us to get alone in the secret place. The second point is God rewards it. God rewards it. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, Jesus says, When you pray... You are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secrets will reward you. Other translations say, we'll reward you openly. 
God will reward your time in the secret place. God will reward when you separate yourself and get quiet with him. Listen to what God says in Isaiah 45 and verse 3. He says, I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden wealth of secret places so that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by name. He says, I will give you the treasures of darkness. What does that mean? That means hidden treasures, treasures that are currently concealed and not seen. And he says, and hidden wealth of secret places. If we will get into the secret place with God, he will reward it. What does the reward look like? Maybe more of his presence maybe more of his goodness, maybe more of his love, maybe more of his mercy, maybe more of his power, maybe more answered prayer, maybe more fulfillment in your life, maybe more miracles, whatever the reward is, he says if we will press into him in secret, he will reward us openly and publicly. Now listen, I think this is important because Jesus kind of bashes those that just love to stand and pray in the, the synagogues and on the street corners. They love to be seen by men. Let me clarify here. Jesus was not condemning public prayer and he was not condemning corporate prayer. He was just pointing out where it should start, where it should start. The way we pray publicly should be an outflow of what happens in the secret place. And if the only time you ever pray is publicly, then something is wrong. Something is out of whack because our public prayer, our corporate prayer should flow out of the secret place. And the more we've pressed into the secret place, the more power, the more passion we'll experience when we pray publicly or when we're gathered corporately. Listen, if you're bored at public prayer gatherings, if you're bored at corporate prayer meetings, it's probably because you're not praying in the secret place and that passion isn't rising up. Why does God want us to pray in the secret place? Because the secret place challenges our motives. He's trying to get us into a place where it doesn't matter how it looks. It doesn't matter how it sounds. It doesn't matter who's watching. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It doesn't matter if anybody's impressed. He wants to get us into that place where none of that matters but Him. We're not performing for anybody so that our motive truly is we just want more of God. Our motive truly is we just want a fellowship with the Spirit. And then that'll begin to filter out into the public. God rewards it openly when we get into the secret place. Pastor Banning Liebscher, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name properly, but Pastor Banning is the pastor of of Jesus Culture Church and and, and a part of the, the movement of the Jesus Culture worship team. He said this, he said, I'm encouraged when I see thousands of young people seeking the Lord together. But what I want to know is if that's happening in their bedrooms when no one else is around. It's one thing to get excited at a concert or a public gathering, but it's another thing to get passionate when you're all by yourself pressing into God. And the third point about the secret place is the Holy Spirit fellowships with us in it. When we get into the secret place, we experience fellowship with the Holy Spirit. 
2 Corinthians 13, 14, which is a beautiful picture of the Trinity, says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This was Paul's closing blessing to the church at Corinth. And how did he want to bless them? With the grace of Jesus, with the love of God, and also with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Fellowship means close association. It means being closely associated with somebody, spending close time together with them, getting to know them, experiencing that intimacy. It also means close participation, working hand in hand with somebody, walking closely with them, participating with what they are doing. And so fellowship with the Holy Spirit is close association with the Holy Spirit where we get really close and we build that intimacy and we're able to participate with what the Holy Spirit is doing. Charles Spurgeon, who was known as the Prince of Preachers, talking about that preaching and where it came from, he didn't recognize that it was a gift, that it was a talent, that it was something that he had practiced and gotten good at. No, Charles Spurgeon said this, all our libraries and studies are mere emptiness compared with our closets. He understood that the power of everything he did publicly came from the fellowship he experienced in his prayer closet with the Holy Spirit. And all of his books and his studies and everything he did to prepare sermons would be empty without the secret place. He says it's there that we grow, that we wax mighty, that we prevail in private prayer. So Jesus modeled it for us. God rewards it and the Holy Spirit fellowships with us in it. We've got to get into that secret place. But what happens when we get there? Why is this so important? Well, this is where I want to camp out this morning is in John chapter 16. So if you've got your Bibles, turn there with me. And these are the words of Jesus. This is taking place at the the end of his ministry as he is having his last supper with his disciples and he is teaching them the, the, the last things that he wants to share before he is going to go to the cross. And in verses 5 through 15, he teaches powerfully about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's read this together. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, and concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own initiative for what, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All the things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. So what happens when we fellowship with the Holy Spirit in the secret place? First, 
we get a bigger picture of God's kingdom. We get a bigger picture of God's kingdom. What we experience here in in verses 5 through 7 is that Jesus' disciples are still very self-centered. They're still just thinking about themselves and how this impacts them. And their mind is not thinking about the big picture of God's kingdom. They're just thinking about what it looks like in their life at that moment. Right? Because Jesus says uh, that I'm going away and none of you asks me where you are, where are you going? Right? None of them is concerned with what Jesus is about to go through. What's going to happen to him? None of them is asking Jesus, are you okay? Is this going to hurt? Are you going to suffer? Jesus, what price are you going to pay? They're not thinking about any of that. But instead, Jesus says, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. They're just sad because they're losing their direct relationship with Jesus. They're just sad because Jesus said he's going away, which means he's not overthrowing the Roman Empire like they thought he would. They're sad because of everything that affects them. And Jesus says to them, you don't understand that if I go away, it's to your advantage. Why? Because if I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you and the Holy Spirit is going to be able to do a greater work for the kingdom of God than I could do simply by staying here. Right? Because as long as Jesus stayed in his earthly ministry, he could only be in one place at one time. But Jesus says, when I go away, the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to be everywhere all the time. And he's going to be ministering to everybody and everyone is going to be able to engage with him. And everybody is going to be able to find comfort and help from him. And everybody is going to experience his power and his gifts. And so as we press in and we experience that fellowship of the Holy Spirit, we're going to get a bigger picture of God's kingdom. It's going to break us out of our own self-centered nature. It's going to break us out of just thinking about what's going to affect us today or what's going to happen to us today. And it's going to get us thinking big about what is God doing today and where is his kingdom advancing today and how is the Holy Spirit at work all around the world today. It's going to give us a bigger picture of God's kingdom. The second thing is in our fellowship with the Holy Spirit is that he helps us. Jesus said, the helper will not come to you if I don't go away. But if I go, I will send him to you. The helper, the Greek word is the paraclete, which means one who comes alongside. The Holy Spirit comes alongside to walk with us. And think about this for these disciples, what they are facing. They're facing an uncertain future. They don't know what's about to happen. All they know is Jesus says he's leaving. And so the one they were following and they thought he was going to transform things in a certain way. And that's not the way that things are going down. And now he's going to leave and they're going to be left on their own. And, and now things, this is a, a hostile world that they're facing and, and people are going to be coming against them. They couldn't do it alone. They needed a helper to come alongside them. And listen, today, we can't do it alone. We're facing an uncertain future in a hostile world. We don't know what's going to happen. And we can't get through it alone. But in the secret place with the Holy Spirit, He comes alongside us and He walks with us and He helps us and He's going to bring us through this. And with His help, we're going to experience everything God intended during this pandemic season.
The next thing that happens is that we are convicted of sin, right? It says that when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And he says concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Jesus is saying at the root of all of our sins is the rejection of Jesus. If we don't believe in him, that means that we don't receive him, which means we have rejected him. And the root of all of our sins is the rejection of Jesus. I don't need you, Jesus. I don't want to do life your way. I don't want to follow your lead. I don't want you to be the Lord of my life. I'm going to do things my way. And in the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit comes and begins to convict us of that sin. We spent the whole sermon last Sunday talking about repentance in the presence of God. That every time we go into our quiet place, we have the opportunity in fellowship with the Spirit for the Spirit to come in, convict us of what is wrong in our behavior, convict us of what is wrong in our attitudes, convict us of what is wrong in the way we're living our lives. And then in that conviction, we can deal with our sin and the Holy Spirit can come in and cleanse our hearts and make us new. Come on. It's in this quiet place that we become more like Jesus, right? It says he doesn't just deal with us concerning sin. He deals with us concerning righteousness. And righteousness means living God's way, living like Jesus lived. And in verse 10, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is going to deal with us concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. He's saying, I'm going to complete my work on the earth. And my work was to die for the sins of all mankind and then to rise victoriously over death, hell, and the grave so that I can go to the Father. And so that people no longer have to live by their own righteousness. They don't have to come up with their own good works. They don't have to measure up uh, by by their, their own behavior and their own attitudes. But no, they can find my righteousness. And my righteousness can come in and make them a new person. And they can live like me. And they can walk like me. And so that means that when we are in our quiet time with the Holy Spirit, That he is dealing with us not only concerning our sins, he's dealing with us concerning righteousness. He's making us more like Jesus so that when we leave the secret place, we look more like Jesus. We sound more like Jesus. We treat people more like Jesus. There's a lot of Christianity today that doesn't sound anything like Jesus. A lot of Christianity on Facebook and Twitter a lot of Christianity in gossip circles, a lot of Christianity in politics that doesn't sound anything like Jesus. But in the quiet place, the Holy Spirit will make us more like Him. Jesus goes on to say, I have more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. It's in the fellowship with the Holy Spirit that He guides us. Here on Kauai, we have a a, a tourist economy, and so we understand the concept of a guide, that when you want to explore a new place and a place that you don't know, you get a guide, and that guide will lead you on a trail, or that guide will take you on a boat, or that guide will take you in a helicopter, and he will show you places you haven't seen before, and that guide will tell you things about that place that you didn't know. 
right? And so all of our tour guides on our island, they learn about the history of our island. They, they learn their different spiels and scripts about different places and what happened here so that as they're guiding people, they can tell them things that they did not know. And so think about it, that's the same way that the Holy Spirit guides us in our quiet time, is He shows us things we've never seen before. And He explains things to us that we didn't understand before. Right? Jesus said, there's more that I'd like to teach you now, but you can't bear it now. You're not ready for it yet. So think about this. When we're in our quiet time fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is teaching us things today that we weren't ready for yesterday. We couldn't handle it yesterday. That truth would have been too much for us. It would have made us prideful or it would have scared us away or it would have cut too deep. But now today, as we've continued to grow, today we're ready for it. And the Holy Spirit has a truth to teach you today that you weren't ready for yesterday. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will take of what is mine. He will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears from me, he will speak to you. And so it's in our quiet time that the Holy Spirit is giving us revelation from God. God has things to speak to us today. God has a specific message for us today that will change our life, that will direct our paths, that will shape our hearts, that will challenge us in certain areas, and we need to hear it today. Now, be careful in this. God never speaks anything. God never reveals anything that is contrary to His written word. So as you're getting a revelation from God, you can always take it back to the written word of God and make sure it lines up with the written word of God so that you're not just making up weird stuff on your own and saying, God said this to me. But if we will get quiet and listen to the Holy Spirit, He will speak things to us, things directly from God, things directly from Jesus that He wants to say to you today. And then Jesus said, He will disclose to you what is to come. The Holy Spirit is going to guide us into the things that God has prepared for us. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's masterpiece, that we have been created brand new in Christ Jesus to do the good works that He planned for us long ago. And so the Holy Spirit wants to guide us into those good works that God has planned for us. He wants to lead us into the things that God has for us. And so there are some things that God wants you to do today. There are some good works He has prepared for you today. And if we will get into our secret place with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will reveal those things to us and He will guide us and tell us what we're supposed to do today. He has an encounter today that He needs to reveal to you. He didn't tell you about it yesterday because it wasn't for yesterday. It's for today. He has an anointing that He wants to touch you with and empower you with so that you can do the things God has for you today. He is our guide and He's going to guide us. And finally, what did Jesus tell us? That if we will fellowship with the Holy Spirit, Jesus is glorified. Jesus will be glorified. I think this is a, a profound point. Everything the Holy Spirit does points people to Jesus. Everything the Holy Spirit does points people to Jesus. So if the Holy Spirit heals somebody 
It's not just so that that person will feel better. It's so that people will be pointed to Jesus. And so as we operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's important for us to understand that every gift of the Holy Spirit and every operation of the Holy Spirit through our lives is going to point people to Jesus. And so if your hope is that it's going to point people to you, or if your hope is that it's going to make you feel better, or if your hope is that it's going to fulfill some desire in you, that's the wrong agenda. The Holy Spirit wants to point people to Jesus. And so if we will spend time fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit in our secret place, we will come out of our secret place ready to point people to Jesus. We won't come out of our secret place looking to build our kingdom. We won't come out of our secret place looking to build up our reputation or our agenda or to accomplish our plans. We'll come out of the secret place ready to build the kingdom of God by pointing people to Jesus. Right? Jesus says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. So just as the Father sent Jesus and Jesus fulfilled his purpose, now Jesus sends the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can fulfill his purpose, which is to glorify Jesus and point people to Jesus, that people might surrender their lives to him and become followers of Christ and as disciples grow to become more like him and partner with him in advancing the kingdom of God. Jesus is glorified. Come on. What a picture of this in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. And at this time was the Christmas story. The baby Jesus was born. And then on the eighth day, they, they bring the baby Jesus into the temple to dedicate him to the Lord, as was the custom of the Old Testament law. And starting in verse 25, it says this, And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then Simeon took Jesus into his arms." Think about what, this is, what picture this is painting. We have this man, Simeon, who devoted himself to fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit in the secret place. This was a man who was passionate about the Word of God, who knew that the Word of God promised a Messiah that was coming to Israel. And he was a man who in his secret place was, was praying and seeking the consolation of Israel. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit because of his time that he spent fellowshipping with the Spirit. And in his quiet time with the Holy Spirit, God made him a promise that he would not die before he saw the Messiah. And so this was a promise that Simeon embraced. And then on the very same day that Joseph and Mary are bringing the baby Jesus into the temple, it says that Simeon came in the Spirit into the temple. So on this very day, when Simeon was spending his quiet time with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit told him, today I want you to go into the temple. He was led by the Spirit for a divine encounter to fulfill a divine promise. And all of it was birthed in the secret place with the Spirit. And then what does this man Simeon do? He takes the baby Jesus 
the Christ child, takes the baby Jesus into his arms and for everybody around him who could hear, declared, this is the fulfillment of the promise. This is the Messiah. This is the one that is gonna bring light to the world. He declared it and he pointed everybody to Jesus. Come on, John Wesley, the great revivalist, one of his close friends described him this way. He said, John thought prayer to be more his business than anything else. And I have seen him come out of his closet with a serenity of face next to shining. He says, man, when I see my friend John come out of his prayer closet, come out of his secret place, it's like his face is glowing. There's a peace and a serenity on his face because he's been in the secret place with the Holy Spirit. And John Wesley believed that to be his most important business, not the preaching, not the public miracles, but the prayer in the secret place. So I want you to imagine this with me. I want you to imagine a follower of Christ who spends time every day fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit in the secret place. Close your eyes if you need to right now. And imagine what this person would look like. You can imagine a man or a woman. I'm going to use male pronouns uh, just because uh, I'm imagining myself and what God could do in my life. But imagine a follower of Christ who comes out of their secret place and they are equipped with the big picture of God's kingdom advancing on earth. And he is passionate to be a part of that advance. And because of that big picture, he is praying fervently for the lost. He is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He is working hand in hand with what the Holy Spirit is doing. His heart has been cleansed from sin and purified. His behavior and his attitude are reflecting Jesus. He looks like Jesus. He sounds like Jesus. He acts like Jesus. He's been equipped with truth revealed directly from God for today. And his day has been surrendered to the things that the Holy Spirit has shown him. And so he is ready to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit to point people to Jesus. Man, can you picture that? Can you picture even one follower of Christ having that kind of passion? that kind of equipping, filled with that kind of truth. Blaine Cook of Global Awakening said this, if there's a secret to revival, it's this, one person in the power of God can change everything. Man, if you can picture just one person who would go into the secret place and come out like this every day, that one person could change everything. But imagine an army of the people of God coming out of the secret place every day. Imagine all the people of Kauai Bible Church coming out of the secret place every day. We would turn our island upside down. It would never be the same again. Our island couldn't contain it. We'd have to start sending people to other islands. We'd have to start sending people around the world because our island couldn't contain it. I told you at the beginning of this message, I wanted to motivate a hunger inside of you for the secret place. I want this picture to motivate you of what we could be and all that we could do as a people who would come out of the secret place. On Tuesday, as part of our rooted Bible reading, we read Psalms 81 and verse 10 just struck me and I haven't been able to shake it all week long. 
The last sentence of verse 10 says, Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. And I got this picture. In fact, I'm going to put the picture up on the screen right now. I got this picture of, of hatchlings, of baby birds, and how they, they crane their necks back and they open their beaks wide and they can open their beaks so wide that their mouths are actually bigger than their heads. And they're craning and they're opening their mouths. Why? Because they're hungry. And mama bird is there and they're opening their mouths to mama bird because they're saying, mama bird, give me something. Give me a worm. Put something in my mouth. Fill me up. And that's the picture that I've got when God says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. That there would be a hunger in us that we would open our mouths wide to God and say, Lord, come fill me. Come put something new inside of me. Revivals start when God's people develop an insatiable hunger for more of him in the secret place. An insatiable hunger when, when, when we want more of him and then tomorrow we're not satisfied. We want more of him. And then the next day we go back to the secret place because we want more of him. Every great revival was started either by one person or by a group of people who had this insatiable hunger and they kept going into the secret place until they reached this tipping point, this moment of encounter that transformed the rest of their lives, this moment of encounter that ruined them for anything else other than going after the Holy Spirit and all that he wants to do in the world. It's like this moment of crossing a line. It's like this crossroads that we reach and we've got to go this direction. Come on, I want us to develop that hunger. My mouth is open wide, Lord. Will you come fill it? Jim Cimbala, the, the great pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, in his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, said, the more we pray, the more we sense our need to pray. And the more we sense our need to pray, the more we want to pray. We say, well, you know, I'll, I'll start going in the secret place when, when I, I want to. No, you got to go in the secret place now. And the more you go there, the more the hunger will develop. And the more you starve yourself of worldly things in your life, the more that hunger will develop. And the more that longing will increase so that we might press into the secret place. I told you last week about Evan Roberts, the man who led the Welsh revival in 1904. And Evan shared the story that for a three-month period, God began to wake him up at one o'clock in the morning, every morning. And he said this was unusual because most of his life, he slept like a rock and nothing ever stirred him. But then suddenly this began to happen. And so every morning he was up at 1 a.m. and he was up for four hours. He says, God wouldn't let me fall back asleep until 5 a.m. And he says, I can't even describe in words what God was doing during that quiet time in that secret place. But every day for three months, he did it. And at the end of that three months, Evan Roberts was changed forever. And it was out of the passion that was birthed in that quiet time that he developed a passion for the people of Wales. And he developed a passion to see God move in a powerful way that he led a revival that saw 100,000 Welsh people come to know Jesus. Come on, I want to pray for you. 
And I want us to go back into some, a time of music here, but just like last week, I'm not really concerned with whether or not you sing along with this song. My hope is that this song speaks powerfully to your spirit and ministers to you. And if you get caught up in it and start singing it, that's great, but, but I'm looking for this hunger to be birthed in this moment as we sing this song that says nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. I just want you, Jesus. I'm sorry about everything else I've made it. I'm sorry about bringing my own agenda. I'm sorry about just going through the motions. Jesus, I'm not here for anything but you. Let this song speak to you and let uh, this begin to stir yourself to the secret place. And in the secret place, let's see our hunger grow and let's come out of the secret place as a transformed people and let's see the revival that will come to Kauai and beyond. Lord, I pray right now that by your spirit, you would begin to speak to everyone that is listening to this message. Oh Lord, and that you would cause a hunger to begin to gnaw away inside of them. Oh, Lord, that you would cause them, each one of us, to open our mouths wide and say, Lord, we want your filling. As Jesus declared, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Lord, let us be a people that hungers and thirsts for righteousness, that hungers and thirsts for you. Let us be a people who in the secret place aren't afraid to deal with our sin. Oh, that we're stripping off the religious trappings and we're stripping off the going through the motions and we're saying, Lord, I really want this sin out of me. I don't want to hide it anymore. I don't want it to be a part of my life anymore. Holy Spirit, come in and renew me. Cleanse my heart and make me new. Oh, that we would be a people that would get quiet in the secret place so that we could hear the Holy Spirit bringing revelation to us so that we could hear the Holy Spirit guiding and directing our day, sharing truth with us that we need to know for today, telling us where we need to go today. I pray in the secret place, God, you would take the blinders off of our eyes and that, Lord, we would see your kingdom as never before and we would realize that it's not about us. Oh, but God, we would have such a big picture of what you're doing in your kingdom. Oh, that we would surrender all just to be a part of it. Oh, Holy Spirit, come and help us in this season when we don't know what's going on and we don't know when this season's gonna end and we don't know what life is gonna look like when this season is over. But Lord, you're gonna help us through it. You're gonna walk with us every step of the way. Oh God, come alongside us. Lead us through this. Empower us, Lord. And God, put a passion inside of us that everywhere we go and everything we do, Lord, we would want to point people to Jesus. We would want to point people to Jesus. Every gift you've placed inside of us, Lord, we wouldn't bury it in the sand. We wouldn't hide it behind shyness or fear or, or, or shame. But Lord, we would use every gift you've given us to point people to Jesus. Call us to the secret place, Lord. Call us there right now. Oh, let us experience you even now, Lord. As this song is played, let us experience you. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus.